Values are important. They reflect what we care about, what we're made of, and who we are. But what can happen when a church fully owns a set of shared values at their core? What can that mean for their sense of community and their purpose in the world? We invite you to take a deep dive with us into our core values of stewardship, ownership, simplicity, and hospitality. These are our four cores. Well, good morning once again, Element and family and friends, wherever you're watching from, good morning. We're glad you're here joining us. I am Pastor Benjamin, and um, it's a joy to start talking about these four core values. And we have four core values at Element. You just heard them. Uh, Stewardship, ownership, hospitality, and simplicity. Now, for our owners, which is the word we choose instead of members, uh, you're familiar with these values. You're familiar with these values. There are huge signs right over there on the wall that you see every time you come to this warehouse. But let me encourage you owners to, to, to lean into this conversation today lean into it because while this might feel like some familiar territory at first glance, I want you to know that one of the reasons we're doing this core values series right now is so that we can see these things in a little bit of a different light, maybe from a different angle so that we can turn that gym as we say sometimes and see it in a different way. So Lean in. Go with us where we're going here. Now, if you're newer to Element or maybe you're just tuning in online, I want to assure you of two things. First, this series is not about recruitment or marketing, right? These these warehouse stores are always open. You come here, you're going to be welcome and you're going to be loved, period, right? But like all of our sermon series, this is a series about the way of Jesus, about the way of Jesus, But second, I want you to know that whether or not you ever step foot in this warehouse uh, and come to Element, this series can still, I think will, still encourage you and maybe even challenge you anyway. So, I know we have our e-kids watching and our youth out there watching. Hey, everybody. Um, So, when we talk about values, I think a little illustration might help to kind of confirm what we mean when we say values. And maybe that'll help us grown-ups too. So it's like, think of a yard sale. Have you ever had a yard sale? Or some of you call them garage sales, right? Is that what they call them up north? Some more of a northerly thing? Garage sales, yard sales, whatever. Uh, but you're not selling your yard or your garage, right? It's where you're trying to get rid of a bunch of stuff that you have. And uh, so you lay it all out in the driveway or the garage. Um, but before you can uh, have people come and, and try to buy things, you have to label all the items with a price, right? And so you get those little fluorescent uh, s- uh, circular stickers, you know the ones, and you write the price on it and you stick them on everything. You stick them on all the items. So you're assigning value to each of the items, right? This is worth $3, 
I'm assigning the value to that record collection or whatever. So you're deciding how much they're worth. That's what we mean by values, guys. That's what we mean. It's like how much is honesty worth to you? How much value do you put on honesty for yourself and in relationship with others? How about communication or how about respect or stability or fun or family? We all have our values, whether we're conscious of them or not. They are running in the background. These are the things that are most important to us, right? The things that we value most. So these four core values we're going to talk about over the next several weeks, they're the ones that we find really important here at Element. And today, we're going to start by talking about the core value of simplicity, of simplicity. Now, I can tell you about how Element is simple. I can talk a lot about that. I can talk about our shoestring budget or our uncluttered calendar. I can tell you how we don't invent a bunch of new programs that demand all of our resources and end up becoming self-sustaining and self-gratifying. I can tell you how we partner with people in the community who are already doing kingdom work and join and support them instead of reinventing the wheel over and over. I can tell you that we clean our own space instead of hiring a company and that we rehearse the band on Sunday mornings instead of an extra weeknight. And I could tell you more than that about how Element has chosen to do things as simply as we can. But I need you to hear this. I need you to hear this. None of that is where this simplicity thing actually starts. None of that is where the simplicity begins for us. None of that is the source of simplicity. We don't do simplicity for simplicity's sake. So we have this little byline under each of our core values, like a little descriptor sort of. They're on the, the posters over there. They're on the website. And the one for simplicity, underneath simplicity, it says this. We live in the uncomplicated essentials of loving God and loving each other. We live in the uncomplicated essentials of loving God and loving each other. Could it be that simple? Really? If that sounds too simple, let's go to the scripture. So first, let's go to the Old Covenant, the old law between God and the Hebrew people. The old covenant between God and the Hebrew people in Deut Deuteronomy 6, 4. Um, the Lord is, is, is going on with this speech. And in verse 4, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And now jumping to Matthew, to the new covenant, the one that Jesus came to institute between Jesus and all who follow his way, okay? Matthew 22, 34 through 40. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, 
which is the greatest commandment in the law? And I imagine they just snicker and like elbow one another like, this is, this is it. This is when we get him. 37. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Time out. But he doesn't stop there, does he? He doesn't stop with the old covenant. He continues in verse 39. And a second is like it. This is what Jesus, I keep interrupting the scriptures, I'm sorry. But this is what Jesus came to say. This is what he came to bring, to add, to fulfill the old law, the old covenant, and institute a new one. So back to verse 39. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You know, growing up, I was, uh, I was blessed to be able to hear the sermons of one Dr. Jim Knight. For many years, uh, my formative years, I, uh, I grew up hearing him preach pretty much every Sunday morning and Sunday evening, because in those days, that's how we rolled, and Wednesday nights, right? So Dr. Knight, he was affectionately known as Brother Jim, right? Because if you grow up in Alabama in a Baptist church, people have names like Brother Jim, okay? So um, I remember him one week. He was uh, preaching on the prodigal son, and he made me get up out of the second pew where we always sat, and he made me stand over on one side, and he stood over on the other side to demonstrate how the father leapt up and yelled and ran and embraced the prodigal son. I, was, I played the prodigal son. And that was not planned, and I felt pretty special about that moment. But anyway, when Dr. Knight, Brother Jim, had a particularly good piece of truth for us, he would say, oh, this is going to be a Knight's Nugget a knight's nugget. And and though I look back at that and crack up that he named his own morsels of truth knight's nuggets, they they were nuggets. And this is the one that I remember the most of all the knight's nuggets. This is the one I remember the most. Goes like this. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Well, my friends, what else is the main thing besides the thing that Jesus said was most important? The greatest commandment. And the second one that is like it, that he brought and added to it. Right? The thing that all of the law and the prophets hang on. This is what I mean when I say that we're going to live in the uncomplicated essentials of loving God and each other. We're saying that we are going to keep the main thing the main thing as we go about being the church. Not just keep those things in mind, not just refer back to them, not just put them on the wall or the website, but to live in them. To live in them and to take that seriously. Corporately as a church, yes, but, but also owning that simple truth, love God and love others in our individual lives as well. When we need to make decisions, 
keep the main thing the main thing. When there are disagreements, when there are doctrinal tensions, love God and love people. When there are needs within this body, love God and love people. When there's brokenness in this city, love God and love people. And here's what we need to understand today, church, that under the new covenant between Jesus and his bride, that's us, under this greatest commandment and the second that is like it, we understand this, that to love people like Jesus does is loving God. To love people like Jesus loves them is loving God. Do you see that? Well, let's go to John 13, and I think we'll see it even more clearly. So John 13, Jesus is finishing up the Last Supper with the disciples before they go out to the garden where he will be arrested. And he's just told them, what I'm about to do, where I'm about to go, you're not going to be able to go with me. You can't follow. And that freaks him out. And then this, John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus says, a new command I give you. Love one another. Here you go. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Now, we know that Jesus said a lot of times that if we listen to what he's saying and we do it, we obey, then we're his that if we love him, we keep his commandments. So later in this discussion between the Last Supper and the garden, uh, Jesus says this in John 15, 9 through 14. He's still giving this last sermon to his disciples. John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Okay? As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So Jesus, pause. So Jesus is the perfect, the perfect reflection of the Father's love. Remember that. So verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's own friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. The command, the new command is to love like Jesus. And it was a command. It is a command. Jesus' command for all that would follow him Love God and love others in the same way that Jesus does. It was not a command to streamline everything or to try to look exactly like the first church in Jerusalem. It wasn't a command to go big or go home. It wasn't a command to be the biggest or the coolest or the anti-establishment church. The command wasn't to complicate the simple gospel by elevating the law and the prophets and Paul's letters over this ultimate command of Jesus Christ. That wasn't the command either. 
The command is to love like Jesus loves. Now, someone listening right now might be thinking, okay, good point, but there are things to do. There are people to lead, outreach to organize. There are plans to make, specifics and logistics. And you know what? I agree with that. There are all of those things. There are. But those things are only the what and the how. But they're not the why. The problem isn't really those things, right? The problem is when we do those things outside of the new covenant. Love God and love people like Jesus does. When they become the end goal in and of themselves. When the what and the how end up functioning without the why. When they're done without much purpose at all. Or to just self-gratify or just sustain something called church. Or God forbid for our own ambition or glory. Because Jesus' command to love God and love others as he did, it should infuse everything that we do as Christ followers. Jesus' command to love God and love others as he did should infuse everything we do as his church. And y'all know I hate the word should. Some of you probably heard me use it and were confused. I don't like the word should, but I'm using it very intentionally here because if we love him, if we really want to follow him, and love like he loves, then we will allow his love to infuse everything that we do. It's like marinating something, marinating meat. Kids, you know what I'm talking about? You ever seen your parents do that? Or maybe you've done it. Maybe you've helped out. But when you're going to cook some meat, right, some chicken or pork or steak or whatever, and then you put the meat into a bowl and then you pour the marinade all over it, you, you, you saturate it so that it can sit and soak. And so what happens to the meat? It takes on all of the flavor of the marinade. It's infused by that flavor. That's what I mean when I say loving God and loving others like Jesus does can infuse everything that we do and how we do it and why we do it. The pure and holy love of Jesus is the what and the how, and the why that completely infuses its flavors into us. So, maybe choosing to live out the greatest commandment in our lives and in our shared life and community, maybe it does sound pretty simple, after all. But there's something else I think that we need to hear today. And I know you know this. Some of you may know this, but we need to hear it today. Simple does not always mean easy. And simple does not always mean small. Simple does not always mean easy. And simple does not always mean small. Think about the game of golf. Some of you are five steps ahead and already cracking up about this because you know about golf. The game of golf, take this club, hit this ball into that cup. That is simple. That is very simple. 
But is it easy? No. It's not. It's not. The ball and the cup are small, but the course, the strategy, the game is big. Golf looks hard, right? And the only reason I can say it looks hard is because it looks so hard that I've never even tried it. And when I try to just play putt-putt, my wife destroys me. But it's okay because I win every time in Scrabble. But anyway, um, but golf looks hard. I haven't even tried it, right? Now, Chris is back there in, in the sound booth, and I, I have seen Chris attempt attempt golf. And uh, seeing that, I think that he would agree also that golf is hard. I'm giving him a hard time, but he at least he tried it. For charity, too. He's a good man. He's a good man. Simple, but not easy. Simple, but not small. You know, the greatest commandment of Jesus, it's not a small command. Not in the least. The gospel is simple, but it's big enough to include everybody. And reaching everybody with the gospel is a huge task. It is high and holy and huge work. And the greatest commandment is simple, but it's not small. Figuring out what that looks like in each situation, that can be a big task too. That can be really hard. Wading into struggles with people and sin problems, it isn't always simple. Figuring out how to reach the least and the last and the lost, not always simple. Navigating financial challenges, it's not always simple. Fighting for unity in a diverse body is not always simple. Diving into the challenges of wrestling with the scriptures, it's it. Saying yes to the deep soul work that God wants to do in us, in our families, in our own hearts, and in, in our corporate life, it's not always simple. Of course, these things aren't always simple. What do we do in these situations? What does loving God and loving people like Jesus look like in those situations? We don't always know right away. But we do know how and why we're going to do them with love, with love for God and love for our neighbors. We're going to keep it simple in everything by honoring the new covenant, the new command in every situation. With kindness and humility and generosity, loving God by loving people the same way that we see Jesus loving people in the Gospels. The accounts of his life, his words, his actions. Loving people with truth wrapped in mercy for the woman at the well. Like that. Loving people like with unstoppable grace for the adulterous woman and the accusers ready to stone her. With patience for the questions of Nicodemus. With leading people to the Father with story and sermon and scripture. Leading people to the Father by feeding and healing and helping. With forgiveness, full forgiveness for his accusers. That is the simple example 
of our Jesus that we choose to follow. That is the wellspring of life under the new covenant with him, to love like that. It may be difficult to figure out what that looks like in each unique situation. It is difficult, but it is simple. Now, my friends, we can go back to the beginning. From this place, having the why part settled, now we can go back and talk about the simplicity we choose at Element. Because it is true what I said before. It's true that we do operate on a shoestring budget. We do have a very purposeful but uncluttered calendar. We don't invent, invent a bunch of new programs that demand more time and more resources and more energy. We do break into kingdom work that's already going on around us. We do try to work smarter and not harder so that we can maximize our impact on this city for the sake of the gospel. But my friends, we don't do those things so that we can look unique or different. We don't do them so that we can have social media content. We don't do them so that we can be the anti-traditional church. We don't do them because minimalism is trending. We don't do them so that we feel better about all the time and energy that we pour out into this community and its mission. We don't do simplicity for simplicity's sake. Those things are not our why. We keep things simple around here so that we can free up time and money, energy and resources to bring justice and mercy into the city. We keep things simple around here so that we can pay attention to the long, slow, deep process of making disciples. We keep things simple around here because God doesn't need us to be busy and complicated to join in the work of being salt and light in our world. The reason we keep things simple around here is because that is what allows us to keep the main thing the main thing. Love like Jesus loves. That is the place that all of this simplicity, that everything we do springs out from. I recently heard an old story. It goes something like this. There was a poor Jewish farmer. He had a wife and he had six children. They lived in a small one-room house. Needless to say, their lives were a bit crazy. So the man went to his rabbi. Rabbi, rabbi, what should I do? My life is crazy. I love my family so dearly. But we have so many children and such a small house. It is chaos. The rabbi answered, I want you to go home and gather up all your animals, bring them into the house to live with you, and God will bless you. So the man shrugged, went home, and he brought in his animals, the goats, the chickens, and the pigs, brought them into the house, the one-room house, to live. But soon, chicken droppings were everywhere, and the pigs were smelly and messy, and the goats were eating everything in sight. After one day, the farmer ran back to the rabbi and exclaimed, Rabbi, Rabbi, it's so much worse. There's even less space. There's even more noise, and everything is more chaotic than before. 
And the wise old rabbi replied, Go home. Remove all the animals from your home. Clean everything up. God will bless you. So the farmer went home and did just that. The next day he came to the rabbi with a smile on his face. Rabbi, you were right. God has blessed me. Everything is so much better than before. Sometimes I think we want to do more. We're willing to do more. We're willing to add more to accomplish our goals, to live out our mission. Like we can take on more complexity. We'll do it for you, God, right? So God will bless our efforts. Sometimes like the farmer in the beginning of the story, just the basics, just just the kids and the farm and the house feels like a lot. Maybe sometimes it feels like too much. But what if the basics that we have are enough? What if acting and choosing out of love for God and others is enough? I think it is, and I think we have seen that. I think we've chosen it again and again. We've seen the beauty of simplicity in our lives and in this body of Christ. But please hear this today. There is never a wrong time to reflect on this. So I challenge us today to do just that. Reflect on this. Reflect on all of this as a community of faith and as a family and as individuals. To examine it, right, and ask the questions. To hold it all up before God and let him show us what may not be simple anymore. To show us where things may have become complicated. Where the main thing maybe isn't as main of a thing as we thought. Here's, here's the irony about simplicity. It's really easy for things to become complicated. You know this is true. It's really easy for things to become complicated. It's easy to become unsimple. It's easy to slide into a place where we think we're doing the essentials, but we're not. It's easy to pick up the clutter that can accumulate when you're in any type of organization. And although simple can be small, can seem small, the mission is never small. But the largest of visions is still to be grounded in the simplicity of The farmer in the story did not have a small family. He did not have a small task in running a farm. And it's no small thing to be a community of faith in 2020, to embody the light and love of Jesus Christ among ourselves, and to the world. But remember this. One stone dropped that giant in his tracks. A little bit of bread and a couple of fish fed over 5,000 people. And a few 20-somethings in a living room with some church wounds and a call to do it differently planted an unlikely community of faith called Element Church. Simplicity is not the end goal. None of these core values are the end goal. They are a means to an end. Living in the uncomplicated essentials of loving God and loving others like Jesus does is the goal. The greatest commandment 
That is the gospel, the simple gospel. That is what we do. That is how we do it. And that is why we do it. It is the what and the how and the why. And that is simple. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this reminder today. Whether we've engaged this teaching of simplicity recently or maybe it's the first time we're hearing about simplicity at Element, I thank you for the reminder of what it really means. The reminder that simplicity doesn't mean the path of least resistance, but a lot of times this kind of simplicity means the path of most resistance because it is counterculture to our world to love the way that you love. But God, it's what you've built us to do. It's what you stir in us. It's what you create in us. And from that place of loving, God, things can become simple. So I thank you for the invitation to walk the path of most resistance, the path with pain and joy and reward and beauty and hope and redemption. God, I pray that as we look at our own lives and as we look at our church community, that you would point out those places that Benjamin was talking about that may be less simple than they used to be and that you would draw us to your heart, not to minimalism, not to stripping down our lives, but to love. Draw us to love today. In your name we pray. Amen.